Do you want me to start? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's two minutes of right. our time wasted. Here's my scripted intro. Welcome to the Friday podcast. Dave McIntyre, good afternoon to you. Adrian, how are you? I'm good. Jerry Gilroy. A very good afternoon, Adrian. You're scoffing your lunch while enjoying your Friday podcast. Well, yeah, a good I mean, start to the day. I don't think the listener needs to know about my amazing um It looks sausage. astonishing. Yeah. Hey, oh. I, I will say that it's I will say that it's kind of a yeah, overwhelmed outside by the smell of fish and chips, so it's probably not getting the service that it. Uh, there is a brand new fish and chip, uh, fancy, very fancy place. Emporium, if you if you will, around right around the corner from us. We've been looking at it with bated breath for the last couple of weeks while the workers have been in. Went in last night in a mad hurry. Uh, ordered fish and chips, twelve mm. euros, please, and then an extra two quid for the tartar sauce. Ah, <laughs> uh, here <laughs> it's like fourteen quid for the fish, fish and, chips. and chips for the week. What? So your first and last visit to this new establishment. Is that not a gin bar? And you've also good. scared me off it. Very good fish and chips. It would want to be though. Yeah, uh, I think they, they also serve alcohol with it, so I don't yeah. know. Was there a big portion? A huge portion. Well, so you okay. could legitimately, if you know, you want Pro-rata. to share it with people. Okay. But uh, still, the two quid for tartar sauce stuck in my craw. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I would have been. Yeah, I didn't the, spend it, and then as a result, I was like, oh, I, didn't I really sauce. need you. <laughs> when you're spending twelve quid, you expect a tartar to be thrown in. Yes, yes, you do, and a free gin while you're at it. Right? Why are we here? We're here to chat about the Premier League, not so much about uh, fish and chips or gin, um, although that may crop up as well. Uh, pretty busy old weekend in the Premier League. Some decent enough fixtures uh, last week was um, wasn't great actually. Uh, certainly on paper, but it turned out to be all right. Sunderland Southampton is the first game tomorrow, twelve forty-five kickoff. Stadium alight. Um, just looking at a little bit about this one over the last couple of days, and since Gus Poyet took over, they uh, lost four 0 to Swansea in his first game. But actually, since that. They've been on a half-decent run. Even the games that they've lost, that's the sound of Jerry eating his uh, tasty chips, by the way. Um, even the games that they've lost uh, have been generally by a single goal, and some of those were to, like against the likes of City and Spurs. And the one thing that kind of screams out for me from this one is that Gus Poyet, at many opportunities that he gets to speak to the media, will say how his players aren't that great and you know the squad aren't that fantastic. But actually, he's plodding along, doing a decent job, and at the current rate of points gathering, they're going to survive. Yeah, I'd expect them to survive at this stage because I think there's a couple of teams down there that don't really have enough fight to stay up. Who? Fulham being one of them. Um, and Sunderland have just... They're beyond the new hit that the manager brings into a club. Um, they've played enough games now for to get the impression that they're actually really playing for the manager on a long-term basis. Well, certainly as long-term as the end of the season goes. Who has gone down, though, if they're going to... I think Cardiff will go down. I don't think they have enough good players to stay up, to be honest. I think Sunderland have better players than they have, although Sunderland are a bit light up front. And I would think that Crystal Palace just won't do enough to get out of it. I think West Ham will be okay. You don't get relegated under Big Sam. I'm sure he'll crop up over the next half an hour as well. You don't get relegated under Tony Pulis either. Uh, That is true. But Tony Pulis has never been relegated with teams that he spent a lot of time with. I think he won't be relegated next season. <laughs> I think he might be relegated this campaign. They'll be my favourites for the moment. But I think Sunderland have shown plenty. And there's a couple of players that are really doing very well. In particular, uh, Josie Altador. He's not scoring goals, but I saw him when they beat Manchester City. And he was absolutely brilliant that day in terms of holding the ball up. His upper body strength is phenomenal. I don't think he's ever going to be a prolific goal scorer. And that may be where Sunderland begin to struggle. And the 
Southampton, they've had a difficult enough week with losing their chairman and then the whole willy won't stay or go with uh, Maurizio Potticino. Surprise, surprise, he's decided that he's going to stick around. Yeah. And they have not necessarily fallen off a cliff, but they had a decent run of fixtures in which they racked up a huge amount of points. And when they started playing consistently, the teams that are in and around them in the Premier League, they haven't necessarily done as well. So it's probably no surprise that they find themselves uh, in eighth or ninth position. I think they're in ninth position at the moment. Ninth. So I think that they will... They won't really fancy going to Sunderland. I think Sunderland will be a very good bet to win this game in the early kickoff. Mm. It's a uh, long ways to go as well. I wonder what the mileage is. is. Yeah, I'm sure I assume they, they're going up today. They say they fly the night before. Yeah, you got to assume that they're going staying to in the staying in the leafy suburbs of surrounds of Durham, no doubt, just outside Sunderland. That's where these teams tend to stay. Uh, I don't actually buy that Sunderland are going to get out of it. I think um, Gus Poyet's constant harping on about how crap his players are is eventually going to seep into their consciousness. Um, their performances against the good teams have been surprisingly good. It's the teams around them that have actually managed to take points off them recently. Like they went to Everton and won. Um, yeah, beat City, did very well against Liverpool, ultimately lost the game. Obviously beat United in the Capital One Cup semi-finals. I, I, mm. I think that uh, what they have done is though they've they've managed to tighten up in defence. So I wouldn't be terribly surprised if this actually finishes nil all. Uh, it was funny to see you mentioned Altador there. I don't know if you saw the Fulham game last weekend. He put uh, Senderos on his arse at one point and uh, managed to get a penalty out of it. Uh, it was hilarity. The the only other most hilarious uh, moment of that game was John O'Shea effectively mounting Philippe Senderos uh, for the Fulham goal. Um, it was pretty hilarious stuff. Not all that encouraging, mind you, from an Irish point of view. So he mounted him, but still Fulham well, scored. Essentially, John O'Shea, Damien Duff took the corner. John O'Shea decided that, uh, or it had been decided that Senderos was the danger man here. So uh, John O'Shea decided he'd get to grips with him. Uh, jumped up on his back. Ball went whizzing past. Nowhere near Philippe Senderos. And I can't remember who it was that uh, nodded at home. I'm trying to figure out who got the full goal last weekend. And Steve Sidwell got it. Sidwell, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was a free header. It was terrible defensively from a Sunderland point of view. But to be fair to John O'Shea, he did make up for it when he ran across to Adam Johnson and told him exactly the way he wanted the ball delivered for one of the Sunderland set pieces. And that led to uh, the goal for Key on the edge of the penalty area. It was obviously straight off the training ground. O'Shea was, wanted to make sure that it was in the mind of Johnson before he sent it across. And Adam Johnson, who got a hat-trick in the game, which is an absolutely astonishing occurrence mm. because for me, he's definitely in the top five most overrated players in the history the Premier League well let's talk about going to the World the Cup Premier now League. honestly he's that bad he's dreadful mm, maybe he's just about to come good but he's like 26 isn't he he's just about to go to the World Cup is what he's about to do because Theo Walcott is injured and if England are relying on Adam Johnson to do something for them in Brazil they're in serious trouble I'm not saying they'd be relying on him but he'd probably go World Cup bolter you know who knows Todos Galachi everybody said exactly it could be thing. this year's Darius Vassell scored the goals that uh, brought them all the way to the World Cup semi-final right that's way too long and it's on yes. yeah. uh, get this thing moving Adrian right let's move it along that's my job is it right I didn't realise that uh, Arsenal against Fulham is one of the uh, three o'clock starts at the Emirates uh, René Mullenstein discuss I think he's a bizarre individual he's got this perfect English accent he's obviously uh, in his past life highly rated at Old Trafford mm. And yet, when he does get the job on looking over the shoulder of Martin Yall, we always knew it was inevitable that Yall would be forced away and that Mullenstein would step in, take the manager's position. He's then pretty much hired a hundred years' worth of managerial experience. It's looking over his shoulder. Ray Wilkins alongside him in the dugout, which I don't really understand how Wilkins is any more qualified to run this team than Ronnie Mullenstein. And Alan Kerbishley, who's been out of the game for five seasons as director of football. I can't understand those particular moves when you get rid of Yall Mullenstein's your man you got to assume he didn't appoint 
He appoints Wilkins, but he doesn't appoint Kerbishley. So, are you? Could you be sure that he appointed either? It's uh, mm, a good point. Uh, I, I he, did, he definitely did appoint Wilkins because Wilkins only came in a couple of weeks <clears> ago. I just I think it's bizarre. He's never he's been previously coach at Bronby for six months and sixteen days at Angie Malakalakalakalaka Machachala, um, which is. Hardly, uh, I mean, he's been assistant manager at Manchester United. I think that's kind of reasonable enough. Very different job, very different prospect to all of a sudden to become the manager of a Premier League team who are going to be struggling at the wrong end. Didn't handle the whole Ravel Morrison thing very well. I think there was disgraceful behaviour and West Ham are perfectly within the rights to make a formal complaint. It was the most brazen attempt to unsettle a player that I've seen in quite some time. Well, I thought it was the most ham-fisted attempt that I've ever seen. Presumably they know Ham that he wants to join in them. its brazenness. But stupidity, as opposed to But why does he want inept. to join them? Why would he want to go... More money. This, this is exactly... That's, that's the he's end. Still, is he has yet here? to prove himself More money. in any way, Ravel Morrison. Well, look, the one yeah, thing you would say is that he was at Manchester two things, United. Two things, exactly. He knows, he knows what the new coach is like. He obviously has some affection for him. And... Uh, the more money thing I kind of have to keep coming back to that so you ring him up and you say here's the offer this is the story you're going to be my number one guy I'm going to play in this position you want to play in and you're going to blossom under me and he goes Grant I'll I'll come and then the next press conference goes oh yeah he really wants to join us it's like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard you get the agent to say oh you know we're not happy at West Ham we don't think that uh, they're playing him in the right position what are his chances of going to the World Cup Sam and everybody goes, well, that's a bit ridiculous. But he's but no then chance the to go to the World ridiculous. Cup anyway. No, I'm just saying the agent looks ridiculous. Whereas now, Ronnie Mullenstein looks like a... Anyway. Wasn't Mullenstein part of the regime that got rid of Ravel Morrison? Now, I mean, I don't think you could argue with the... the if, if you've read anything about Ravel Morrison, you realise what sort of character he certainly was at one point in his life. Wasn't Mullenstein part of the regime yeah, that actually got rid of him? Regime, he would have been. It's like, uh, Alex Ferguson makes all the decisions. And Ferguson probably got rid of him on the basis that Ferguson knew himself that he was gone and wouldn't have the time to, wouldn't be able to leave the arm around the shoulder long enough and that whoever was going to be coming in, i.e. David Moyes, could probably do without a character like that as well. Pogba and Morrison are consistently being mentioned in the same sentence, yet they couldn't be more poles apart. I mean, Pogba was the big mistake and he's proved himself brilliantly over the last two seasons in Serie A where Ravel Morrison has scored one brilliant goal at Whitehart Lane and that's pretty much where it ends. And West Ham are in the bottom three. I don't know if that tells the full story of Ravel Morrison either, you know? Like, no, he, not he, yet. Yeah. But he, he, to, be, to be linked with other teams when he's actually never proven himself for any team, I'm not sure he's going to be the saver that Fulham need. Although their midfield two are Steve, Fidwell, Steve Sidwell and Scott Parker. They're yeah. not going to keep them up either. No, their team is full of old men. And armies, yet they go it? out and win games and then get hockeyed. I, like the f- defeat to Hull was mind-boggling. 5-0. Was it five or six nil? Six nil, and mm. then they go out the following weekend and win. I just cannot understand the way the mindset of those Fulham players. Arsenal, obviously, uh, far more interesting. Yes. To talk Home about. win is what we really should <laughs> yeah. have said. Yeah. yeah. Well, Home actually, uh, Berbatov ha- obviously is the 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 link here, and all this conversation that uh, Arsene Wenger is going to um, make a January bid for Berbatov, which would seem like to be one of the maddest things you could possibly do. Uh, and he's asked, uh, "Oh, what do you think about Dimitar Berbatov, Arsene? You know, links here between you and." Um, uh, Berba and he says oh, do I rate him highly am I interested I can't speak about that sort of thing surely Arsene Wenger is uh, if Arsene knows best Arsene he knows Wenger, not to go for this guy Arsene Wenger has a long history of talking about the opposition's best player the week before he plays them and not signing him mm-hmm. it happens to most of the teams 
who are below Arsenal, which is everybody apart from Man United and Chelsea. And uh, he will happily talk at length at the press conference before matches about the opposition's best player and how, oh, someday, you know, perhaps, obviously, we're not saying anything specific. And so the player goes, whoa, and frequently plays badly. Uh, so I originally the story was traced back by one of the Arsenal blogs to it being complete nonsense, basically right, yeah. made up and then repeated a week later by somebody else. And one else of the Arsenal players whose name escapes me at the moment, he's like a, a French player, tweeted, you know, welcome to the Emirates Stadium, Dimitar, you know, you'd be a great addition. I can't remember which of the guys it was and the story grew further legs from that. But the big question is, if they don't get another striker in with Walcott out for the rest of the season and really only Olivier Giroud there, Bettner is injured as well, can they win the league? Well, they're about to sign this Julian Draxler from uh, Schalke, partly. Uh, w- uh, Wonder Kint. Are they? Um, um, well, this is, you know... Is he the finished Wenger, article? Wenger, Wenger they need said, a finished article right now. Wenger said, uh, you know, people speak about UFOs and the sighting of UFOs. Well, it's been a bit like that because people apparently have reported that the, this Jackson's kid is turning up at the training mm-hmm. ground or whatever. Uh, but Wenger is saying, possibly not. Three home wins, yes? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, yep. Uh, we were talking about Ravel Morrison so we might as well go to West Ham against Newcastle it's the, the Allardyce Derby the Pardew Derby the Andy Carroll Derby Derby. Uh, you can pretty much take your pick of that uh, how do we expect this one to go lads? The tough one this to be honest I think Newcastle have struggled badly since that incredible run when they won lost just once in nine games and they beat Manchester United and they beat Chelsea in that run and um, since then they've not not only have they not won but they haven't been playing well either they rolled over really against Manchester City at times although they were robbed of one great goal which should have unquestionably should have been a goal so I think Newcastle going to West Ham is actually going to be a draw because I think West Ham had enough just to kill the game prevent Newcastle from scoring and there's a couple of guys that really need to prove a point, most notably Andy Carroll if he starts the game. But it's going to be a, it's going to be a scrappy game and I think it'll be 1-1. Newcastle win for me. Yeah, I think I'm going to go that way myself as well. The uh, It's been interesting actually the story of the West Ham goalkeeper uh, carry on and off. You saw the performance of Adrian in the two games where they like leaked 11 goals over two games. I think one was Premier League and maybe one League Cup, something like that. Maybe one in was the against second, second City, first leg against yeah, City, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Big Sam, who as we know is such a massive fan of UC Ascaline and every club he goes to, he gives uh, UC the big call up to come with him, has actually dropped... Uh, Yaskalina for the last game and put uh, Adrian in there and he actually looks like a decent keeper he's dropped he's dropped Yaskalina for four successive games now started with the game at Old Trafford against Manchester United mm. and Yaskalina cannot get it back into the team and it's not like UC was playing badly either it was a 50-50 call that Allardyce made and despite the fact they've leaked all these goals he's kept Adrian in there although there was a couple of bad mistakes in the defeat to Arsenal that he really should have, particularly the first goal from Theo Walcott was an embarrassment mm. um, you would have thought on that call alone that Yaskalina might have got back in Right, let's move it on. Uh, Crystal Palace against Stoke City. We've already said, Jared, that you're a massive uh, Tony Pulis yeah, fan. Big believer in um, Tony. I actually think that uh, Palace are going to stay up because Tony Pulis. The, there's a, the old school manager can take you so far, and that point is 15th, 16th in the table, and Tony Pulis is just the right man to do that. Also, this Stoke side. I actually think they're a bit flaky for a Mark Hughes team. You would expect them to be a bit more. Well, I was at the Britannia the on Sunday for the Liverpool game, an eight-goal feast, and Stoke easily could have had six. 
easily. They played that well going forward, as well as any Stoke team I've ever seen really? going forward. It's the first time I've seen them since live since Pulis left. Um, they scored the three goals, obviously the pick of the bunch being the goal from Charlie Adam. They hit the post with the header from Peter Crouch. Jonathan Walters and Peter Crouch both brought brilliant saves from Simon Mignolet from close range headers as well. And so on another day, they could have had five or six. They could have easily conceded 10 against this Liverpool team that now have Sturridge back fit as well. So I think they're well capable of going to somewhere like Crystal Palace and getting goals, but they're definitely flaky at the back. What was the movement like from Liverpool as uh, a group as opposed to just the kind of one-off runs from Suarez and Sturridge? It was very good. Um, Henderson didn't get forward as often as he has been in recent weeks. Obviously, Suarez was leading the line until Daniel Sturridge came on, and when Sturridge came on, Suarez just moved a little into sort of the inside left channel. But the last two Liverpool goals were brilliant link-up play between the two of them, and that's exactly what it was like before Sturridge picked up his injury. I was at the Stadium of Light to see them beat Sunderland, and they shared all the goals, bar one for Henderson that day, and the way they found each other was absolutely wonderful to watch. And would you be concerned if you're a Liverpool fan about the defence conceding those goals, or was that just a, a freak of that game? No, I would be. I would be, and it wasn't typically, you know, let's go to the Britannia Stadium make sure that we take them on in the air because that's what Stoke do the goals weren't coming from that sort of an area um, and in fact the deliveries of Charlie Adam he must have had about 30 different set pieces they were all disgracefully poor were they? yes it was incredible how many corner kicks and free kicks that Stoke created all taken by Charlie Adam they were all woeful so the three goals actually came from different outlets so he's no pace he's no delivery but he can launch a pile driver from 10 yards outside the penalty area just ask Stephen Reid I can't figure out how uh, Crystal Palace are bottom of the Premier League table because the line we're fed is that uh, Pulis is doing such an amazing job and they had a the, the serious run of results but it does seem to be a bit of the thing that's happening at the top end of the table actually happening at the bottom end, bottom end as well. well what separate there are, there are six points separating the bottom ten? Uh, quick mathematic uh, yeah bottom. which is as compact Hull, as it yeah, could Hull, ever be Hull are tenth on 23 and Palace are bottom on 17 so yeah so that's like you, there's easily at ten, if not eleven teams that could. Hull are another team who have every chance of going down. They've just signed two strikers who can't score goals, <laughs> and they've invested twelve million quid. And, and unless either of those two suddenly evolves or regresses to the type of form which uh, we know they're capable of, and I, I don't think there's any guarantee of that. They could easily sink like a stone. Yeah, Hull are at Norwich at the weekend. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of money for a club like Hull to be spending on two strikers that. Well, only one has shown that he can be prolific for a small period of time, and that's Nikita Jelovic. When he first arrived from Rangers at Goodison Park, he was Eight incredibly weeks. good. Yeah, um, I think he scored 20 goals in his first 25 appearances for Everton. No, and since then, weeks. it's been absolutely abysmal that he can't get into the team ahead of Lukaku. He couldn't get into the team ahead of Victor and Ichibi last season. And I think that Hull are going to struggle because their other two strikers, obviously they had to replace them in Danny Graham and uh, Sagbo because both of them are dreadful. I'm not sure they'll get the goals from those two that'll keep them up but they haven't been relying on their strikers to get their goals a lot of them have been coming through midfield from the very start of the season Um, going to Norwich though I certainly wouldn't be backing Norwich to take something from the game I think I I think I just expect a response this week from Norwich it's shitter bust for Chris Hutton after the comments during the week from the CEO McNally saying oh I wouldn't have played 4-4-2 I mean that's what the fans wanted and you know I'm not going to tell Chris how to do his job but I wouldn't play it four four two. That's kind of stupid. I mean, you know, they they are a board that aren't actually that inclined to pull the trigger when maybe a lot of other clubs might have done. But it just seems to be pointless, needless sort of a comment to make about a guy who's uh, who's under pressure. Shane Long, obviously, that a uh, thing has gone through today. Three and a half years he signed for 
Hull City, um, and Ger, you were talking, uh, was it this week about the, or no, last week, what turned out to be the Disneyfication of uh, football clubs, Manchester United you were talking about specifically at that point. Um, and I thought it was a completely different word that sounds just like Disneyfication, um, which we may not go into. Uh, but the Hull owner wants to change them, obviously, into the Hull City Tigers. I presume you're all for that, yeah? Into the Hull Tigers. Hull Tigers, dropping the city entirely. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the the reasoning here is that uh, the kid on the streets of Singapore, mm. on Bangkok. Are you sure that's the reasoning? This, this, this is what I've read. That See, I, uh, I think anybody who's actually asked them was like, "Oh, you can't question my, I, I just decided it. That actually there is no strategy to sell Hull on the streets of Singapore. He likes the word tigers better than he likes the word city. Yeah, that's the." I, I don't know, know that we were don't know. sound Look, here, here's, a, here's a guy right who spent was it 70 million uh, on all in the last transfer window or something in that sort of region um, or may, maybe entirely actually but uh, either way he's clearly a guy who's made a bit of money and it actually falls into that sort of Vincent Tan is a bit of a clown category he can't be a bit of a clown and I'm sure his reasoning has to be much more than I like the sound of the word tiger so ultimately what he's saying is that tiger has such positive connotations in in Asia that these kids are going to go yes I want to be associated with this I don't want to be a Manchester United fan here's not, a club that not are every rich person is smart there's a man eating tiger loose in uh, in India at the moment as well which, really? so they're poor associations with the with the two names the Steve Bruce situation I think he's been given a pile of money to spend here obviously brought in the likes of Huddleston and Jake Livermore in the summer and they, were good, these, and they were good signings they were good signings they worked I, out at least I think yeah, they'll but, go I mean, down next but, season but again right you couldn't have looked at Huddleston and thought oh well this is going to be an amazing signing for Steve Bruce here and it turns out to be fantastic so I mean when you talk about turns, Long and Yelovic he does have the ability be, to get somebody get somebody out okay with Huddleston well for Hull it's been amazing in Hull's terms, in Hull's little world, which, by the way, is a shithole. And I heard you talking about it last <laughs> night. Uh, I've lived there for three months. Oh, and yeah? couldn't get out of it quick enough. It is a dump. Why? And I looked at... Why is it a dump? It why was, did you live there? I was studying for three months. Well, I was in college for three months. Um, it, was, it was around the time where Hull had been voted the worst city in Britain yeah. ten years in a row. It is a dump. And I actually looked up to see... Let, me, let me just paint the picture for anybody, right? So you're in college and you have a... You get, to pick where you're going to go for three months. Ah, uh, you see, pick would be entirely uh, misrepresenting the situation. I got a hole. It must uh, have been a very specific course you were doing. Yeah, it was only available in communication, City. Communications. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. very specific. <laughs> when you get 120 points in your leaving cert, that's you get sent to essentially you get sent to Hull. And look how you've blossomed since. Yeah, well, I got out of there after three months, and I went to Cardiff. A bit like actually, that's kind of a, that's a nice little sort of a thread, isn't it, between two crazy owners, or so we believe. Yeah. And they're next on our list. Uh, but what what do you reckon, Hull Norwich? Um, draw. Yeah. Draw. Um, seems like a reasonable enough sort of assumption here. There's never draws in the Premier League anymore, though. I mean, I I thought that back in the draw over the years was going to make me rage, and it didn't. So actually, I'm going to go with a Hull win. City, uh, Man City, Cardiff City. Just to make sure that in case there's any kids in the streets of Singapore listening, that we clearly define. Uh, which teams we're talking about here. I was listening to our good friends at TalkSport earlier today and I think it was Perry Groves, uh, the former Arsenal player, who had said that he wasn't really looking forward to watching Manchester. He doesn't look forward to watching Manchester City anymore because there's no contest. Essentially, he'd rather watch Norwich and Hull City have a good old battle over 90 minutes rather than see Manchester City, what we presume is going to be another six or seven goal win over Cardiff. I have to admit, it's not something I go along with. I do enjoy watching good teams play well, no matter who they're playing against. Yeah, but um, there's a part of what Gross said that I would agree with in that the game, this game will be over after half an hour. Crystal Palace went there three weeks ago and somehow managed to hang in there until 
midway through the second half put up a really good defensive performance Cardiff won't be doing that there's also revenge in the air because their defeat at the Cardiff City Stadium in the first two weeks of the season was just completely out of the blue I don't know how they managed to lose it Fraser Campbell got two goals that day 3-2 I think it was and it was that run of away form that Manchester City just couldn't get a victory I think they won the last four Premier League games on the road Um, they've corrected obviously their difficulties in their travels and they're going to look at Cardiff line them up and the will get two, Aguero will get two. There might be one there for Jekko and Yaya Torre. But isn't that brilliant to sit back and watch the, like this fantastic flowing football, a team with a clear plan that they stick to and they score. They are the scorers of amazing goals. Isn't that brilliant to I watch? haven't been one of those people who sits in on a Saturday night to watch Barcelona beat Hetafe 6-0. I couldn't be bothered. What's the point? Messi's going to get a hat-trick. Yeah, they're great. <clears throat> I know they're great. But they're winning 5 or 6 nil. The game against Atafe in 07 was the one where he beats the 16 defenders. Yeah, yeah the Maradona um, style, wasn't it? Mm, so, I was, class, I mean, I was watching that, that today. Probably, but uh, I, I kind of see both sides of this. Ultimately, this game is not going to define the season. Uh, I would quite like to watch Manchester City against any team in the top half of the table and get a bit of a contest. I think this is going to be 7 But the now. only team that have given them a contest in the top half of the table this season have been Liverpool. They've hockeyed United, yeah, Arsenal game. and Tottenham at the Emirates, at the Etihad Stadium. Chelsea beat them. Yeah. That was away from home yeah. though. So, yeah. Yeah. so I, I don't think there's any team in the league that's capable of really putting it up to them in the Premier League at the moment at the Etihad aside from Liverpool and, and they should have won that game. Liverpool were robbed that day. This is going to be a cakewalk. Right. Uh, not going to get your predictions of that one. I don't think we're going to get to the Sunday football because we're almost out of time but uh, there is the Liverpool-Villa game and... Um, I was looking up again a couple of stats about this one Luis Suarez has scored 15 goals at home this season oh my god Liverpool against Aston Villa uh, 14 Nightmare. of those have um, been against lo- teams in the lower half yeah, he's, of, he's, and, one, and the one exception was Hull he's a flat track bully alright well yeah. he is well, a flat track see, bully we, we thought Only. this was a brilliant stat that we, was, we, I, I sat back I put my hands behind my head and I said Dave, Dave McIntyre listen to have, this have a bit of this one and then we've started to look at who they'd actually well, played well, well, well they, they actually played, played I know that they've played Chelsea Manchester City Everton and Tottenham all away from home this yeah, season yeah, they're, and they're, Arsenal their fixture list is amazing I know the only team that you would of the big teams that they played at home are Manchester United so, so what we're saying is that Liverpool are in, in, an, in an untrue position no you're completely wrong that's the complete wrong analysis no we're saying analysis. that their, their gonna the second half that, of the season is set up beautifully for them yeah so what yeah. they've done is they've managed to wrestle their way to the top of the table while having the hard part of the fixture list so what's going to happen in the second half if the form line continues and that's obviously a huge if is that they're going to match their points total and be right there in the mix at the end of the season. They're going to beat all mm. the poor sides they beat at home away from home and they get to bring all the big boys to Anfield. And they've but beaten everybody. They've, they've dropped one points in one game at home. Um, and the they lost so to Southampton. Yeah, so that's their that, only defeat this season at home. And yeah, you would if you look. If you can't always just rely on everything to pan out as you, as the no. first half of the season did. But I mean, it's safe to assume that Liverpool would be far would far much prefer to have all these teams coming to Anfield in the second half. It would be a, a precipitous fall from grace if um, if they don't manage to at least match their points total. I think, given the way that the fixtures have worked out for them, and also the, the shoddy enough away form from most of those teams uh, in the top half of the table. Yeah. So it's actually. I think it's working out really well for and them. you'd expect them to beat Villa Villa four, have uh, Ryan Bertrand nil. in their defence no lads I mean this is going to be has he gone there on loan yeah. yeah he's played full 64 minutes of Premier League football this season uh, for Champions, Chelsea Champions League winner Ryan Bertrand has a Champions League medal Jimmy Traore uh, he did play the full game did he even take a penalty 
Um, I don't think he took a penalty, no. He is up there with uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Traore and Jonathan Greening and the David Mays of this world. I think he, well, David May wasn't that bad. He won league medals at two different teams. Yeah, but he didn't have anything to do with their Champions League victory in 99. Ryan Burton Apart from getting into the photograph. Played quite well in the game. Yeah, he deserves it. I'm not saying take the medal from him. He deserves you it. You pretty much are. You're he deserves saying, it more than John Terry does. Uh, he definitely deserves it more than John Terry does. <laughs> Our live game on Sunday is Chelsea against United. Kenny Cunningham in the commentary uh, box for that uh, one for us. Right, lads, I presume you both will be back again next week? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think Chelsea are going to hammer Man United, by the way. John Giles doesn't. He told us last night, but I think it's uh, 3-0 written all over it. Very difficult for me to see anything other than a comfortable Chelsea win. Seems that way. I won't be here, but uh, you enjoy yourselves. Thanks. Good luck.